helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. I want to thank you for being with us on this episode of the Life Transformation Show. Today's show is titled, The Five Dangers of the Good Child. And I'll be using the biblical parable of the prodigal son to talk about five dangers that good children in families are prone to. In the biblical parable of the prodigal son, the spotlight shines so brightly on the rebellious son that we tend to focus our attention primarily on him and forget the other son in the parable. A plethora of sermons have been preached on the rebellious son, but sermons about the good son are few in comparison. In today's show, we will be focusing our attention on the good son as we discuss the topic, the five dangers of the good child. While I fully understand that this story has a deeper spiritual meaning about the forgiving nature of God, we rob the story of its richness if we look at it solely through spiritual lenses and fail to see the psychological implications and the family dynamics that are at play. Today we will be exploring the psychological implications and the family dynamics at play in this story as we highlight the five dangers of the good child. We see these dynamics at play in today's families with similar structure, that is, where there are parents, a rebellious child, and a child who follows all the rules. As we will learn from this podcast, this kind of family dynamics set up pitfalls for all the parties involved. For those of you who are not familiar with the story, it can be summarized as follows. A rich man had two sons. The younger of the two sons came to him and demanded his share of the inheritance while the father was still alive. The father obliged and gave him his share of the estate. With his newfound wealth, the younger son leaves his home and the family business and takes off to a faraway land where he squanders the money, partying and having a great time. When he experiences severe hardship, he decides that he needs to swallow his pride, go back home, and beg his father to forgive him. While he was walking up the road to the father's house, maybe with great trepidation, the father sees him afar off and runs to meet him. The son began his prepared repentance speech, but the father interrupted him by telling his servants to prepare a celebration to welcome his son home. The older son, the good son, while working tirelessly out in the field that day, heard the music and asked a co-worker, what is this celebration all about? When he, when he heard that his father had ordered a celebration to welcome home his wayward brother, he was furious and refused to be part of the celebration. When his absence from the celebration became conspicuous, the father went out in the field 
to plead with him to come in. The good son in anger said, All these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So, okay, let me just say a few things here. Like, if we notice the the anger of the good child, the good son, in this case, he's angry at his brother, and he's calling his brother this son of yours in speaking to the father. By the way, this parable is found in Luke 15, if you want to look it up and read it through for yourself. So Luke 15 is where I am summarizing from. So the, the son calls his brother the son of yours, and the father, in replying to him, uses the phrase, this brother of yours. So in other words, there is a reconciliation that the father is trying to bring about by his words, by saying, this brother is not just my son, he's your brother. But that good son is now so angry that he's referring to him as this son of yours. What I find fascinating from this story also is that this older brother, this good brother, this good son, had an idea of what his brother was doing while he was in a faraway land because he said to his father that he had wasted his money on prostitutes. I don't know how he knew that. Maybe he was following his Facebook account and saw what he was doing and, you know, was really angered at the way he was living. So, let me just say here before any of you call me to let me know that Facebook didn't <laughs> didn't exist in biblical time. It's just a joke, okay? No Facebook didn't exist. But somehow he knew what his brother was doing. And maybe this made him even more angry when his brother came home because he had wasted his money, he was living the sinful life, and the good child is angry. The story ends... Here, without resolution, it ends at the place where the father says, this brother of yours was dead and is now alive. He was lost and is found. The story ends. The writer, Luke, doesn't tell us if the good son eventually attended the celebration. And I think in telling the parable this way, we are left to fill in the blanks for ourselves. Also, what is what we notice from this story is that we are not given any preliminary information about the rebellious son. We are introduced to him in the story at the point where he is already rebellious and asking for his share of the inheritance. So we don't know how he came to be rebellious, how long he has been rebellious. He's introduced in a state of rebellion. Similarly, 
our introduction to the good son is him being upset over what is considered unfair treatment by the father. The writer of the story, Luke, does not tell us how long the younger son, sorry, the older son, has exhibited this this feeling of unfairness, or how long the the, the younger son was rebellious. They are introduced in those states when the story begins. Now, as a psychotherapist who has seen this kind of dynamics hundreds of times over the years, I know that the rebellious child starts being rebellious in childhood. And the good child has this sense of being treated unfairly as far back as they can remember. So it is very unlikely that these traits would not have been present in the family dynamics of the prodigal son even before the story began. Maybe this was not the first time the rebellious son went astray. Perhaps the anger showed by the good son is representative of years of frustration of watching his younger brother acts out and watching him getting the father's attention and the father's love and being frustrated by the rebelliousness of his younger brother. Maybe this is a familiar uh, feeling to you listening to my voice today. Maybe you are the good child in a, in a family system and you have this brother or this sister who is always acting out, who is partying while you are studying and going through university, who the, the parents are always sending money to a faraway country to rescue him or her from his misdeeds. And maybe you are frustrated with the way things have played out in your family. And you have been the good child. Maybe you're a parent or parents who are listening to this show together and you're saying, that family system sounds like us. We have this good child who does our homework, who follows all the rule, but that little Johnny is always getting into trouble. We're getting calls from the teachers and uh, things are just not going well. Or maybe uh, you are now... An adult child, an adult who was a good child in your childhood, or maybe you were a rebellious uh, child, in, and now you're an adult and you are seeing some of the consequences of your rebellious ways. But in this story today, what I want to do is to to focus on the five main points that I will explore. Five main points, the five dangers of the good child. And if you're a a good child in a family system, if maybe you have grown up in that system, it's important for you to to listen to these five pitfalls, these five dangers, because if these dangers are not heeded, they will affect your life adversely, and the consequences of them will affect your health, they will affect your relationship, and they will lead to bitterness and unhappiness in life. If you're a parent 
or your parents listening to this show today and you're raising children, it's important for you to listen to this show today because we are going to be talking about some of the dangers that the the good child can find themselves in. And so maybe there will be uh, some points here that you will want to make note of so you can uh, try to make sure that this doesn't occur in your family. Next week's show is going to be uh, a show primarily for parents where we are going to be talking about things that parents can do to prevent these kind of pitfalls from occurring in their family. So here is the first main point that I wanted to stress today. The first main point is that the good child may develop approval addiction. The good child in a family system who always follow the rules and gets approval as a result of that may develop this dependence on approval, what we call approval addiction. Let's look at the story of the prodigal son, for example. His older son may be stuck in this family business, not because he likes it, not because it is his passion to work in the family business, which sounds like it was some kind of farm. He was out in the field working. And he says that in the story, he said he has slaved himself for the father. So in other words, he's working tirelessly day after day. And he may be doing this not so much because he enjoys it because he's, or because he's fulfilled by it, but because he's working for the approval of the Father. He's addicted to approval. And people who are addicted to approval, just as similar to how people are addicted to drugs, no amount of approval will ever satisfy. In the same way that drug addicts, they will use drug time after time because the problem is not the drug. The problem is not the work that this son is doing. The problem is an emotional need that he's trying to satisfy. So one of the ways that this develops in family system is that early in childhood, the son does something and the father goes, oh, I love you. That is so good. Look at my son. I love you so much. Look at what you have done. And that kind of praise sets up the child to feel that the love of the father is conditional that the love is dependent on their action. We'll talk about this in more detail next week. But there are times when how we praise children, we create this, this approval addiction where they go through life seeking the father's approval. But not only that, this extends to the workplace where they become people pleasers, in the workplace, and they're striving to have the approval of the boss. And some of these good children, they find themselves in dead-end jobs where they might be getting a good pay, but they're not happy, and they want to leave, but they will not leave, not because they can't find another job, but because they do not want to disappoint the boss or the owner of the company. They are so addicted to pleasing others that that they are not thinking about their own needs. So it is important to, to realize this tendency. If you're a good child, are you 
addicted to approval? Have you become a people pleaser? Are you still striving to get your dad's approval? And no amount of approval is good enough for you. If this is the case, then I think this is a warning sign that something is broken and working is not going to fix it. It's an emotional need. Michael will be right back. You have been listening to the Life Transformation Show where award-winning psychotherapist Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services has been using the story of the prodigal son to talk about the five dangers of the good child. You can find out more about us at elimcounselingministry.com where you can also make a donation to this Christ-centered ministry. Your donations help us to stay on the air and to provide subsidized counseling to those who can't afford it. Back to Michael. The second danger of the good child is that the good child may become poor at handling conflict. So let's notice the, the oldest son in this parable. He's out in the field and he's pouting. We are told in the parable that the father had to go out to him. He refused like a pouting child to come to the party. Whereas the youngest son who rebelled and who went away, he made a decision to come back to the father. So this this rebellious son is doing some things right where we find that the the good son is stuck out in the field pouting. He's unhappy. He is angry over the fact that the party has been thrown for his returning rebellious brother. But he's not emotionally healthy enough to come in and to have a discussion with the father. Luke tells us the the father went out to him. And we miss that detail when we read the, the story quickly. But look at it again. It is the father who went out in the field to to meet him. So we have the rebellious son coming home and the father meeting him halfway. But we have the good son making no motion towards coming towards the father, but being stuck out in the field, pouting, and the father had to go out to meet him. When good children are caught in this dynamic where they are poor at handling conflict, this wreaks havoc in romantic relationships because they are not good at expressing how they really feel. They are so polite and so good at following the rules that even when they are hurting, they will not take the initiative. They do not have the assertiveness to address their concern. So we see this in the good child in the parable. The third point that I want to, uh, the third point, the third pitfall or the third danger of the good child is that good children or a good child may become emotionally distant. And we see this in the story that he's out of touch with his emotions. Let's, if we look at uh, Luke 15, verse 26 to 31, it reads as follows. So, so he, that's a good son, he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. So think about this. 
Think about this. He is the son. He is the, 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 the owner of the business. He's the son to the owner of the business. And he is so out of touch with what's going on in his family that he's asking a servant, what is this party about? The Expositor's Bible Commentary says, quote, In view of the dialogue in verse 26 to 31, his absence showed his distant relationship with his family, unquote. So this good son is out of touch. He's distant. He's emotionally distant from his family members. He's very good at doing the work that needs to be done. He's very good at following the rules. But in that interpersonal relationship, there is something missing. There is something lacking. And he, the servants know more about what is going on. Good children often suppress their true emotions. Something happens in the family system earlier on in life that lets them know that they cannot push the boundaries, that they cannot be angry, that they cannot express their true emotions, that they have to smile and jump jump through hoops to get approval. And so many of these good children are super achievers, but they're hurting emotionally because they haven't learned how to express themselves. And they become closed off emotionally and they are emotionally distanced. And so a lot of these children, they develop psychosomatic illnesses later on in life, that is, illnesses that, that doctors can't find anything physically wrong. And this is due to suppressed emotions that they have suppressed all these years. The fourth point I would like to stress today is that good, uh, the good child becomes self-made martyrs, or good children become self-made martyrs. So let us look at Luke fifteen twenty nine to 30, and let us look at what the good son said in that case. But he answered the father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you gave Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. So the question I am asking here is that why is he slaving all these years for his father if he doesn't want to do it? He's an adult. The younger son is able to go away to a faraway country. Why is it that he is angry at the father for slaving away in the family business. He's doing this of his own volition, but yet he's angry. And the other point is, did he ever ask the father for a goat? He's saying, I have slaved for you all these years and you never gave me a goat to celebrate with my friends. And he's saying this in reference because the father had given the order for the fatted calf to be killed uh, and, uh, as a, and have a feast and be used in a feast to welcome home the younger son. Had he ever expressed his needs to the father? So people who are self-made martyrs, they will... Good children will become self-made martyrs. They will slave away 
themselves at work, taking on every project, never saying no, never saying I am swamped. They take on more and more, and then they have sleeping disorders. They have anxiety and panic attack. They have hypertension, headache, ulcers, and they're suffering because they cannot say no to others. And so, if you're a good child, it's important for you to realize that this is destroying your life. It's okay to express assertiveness, to say no, to put proper boundaries with others. Because if you don't, what is happening is that you're suppressing your true emotion and you're putting yourself at risk for all kinds of physical and psychological ailments. And the fifth point that I want to speak about today is that the the good child lacks individuality and creativity. This good son says, you know, I have slave for you in this family business. He's doing what the father did. He's just following the footsteps of the father. But does he want to work in that family business or is he doing it to get approval? From the story, it seems he's doing it to get approval. Good children haven't learned to be creative and to think outside of the box because they have been good at following the rules as they are laid out. They're not good at taking initiative. They will function well in a structured environment where the rules are laid out for them, but they're not good at taking their own initiative. Jesus was not a good child in that respect. We are, I'm not saying Jesus was rebellious, so please don't call me and say I'm saying Jesus was rebellious. But if we read Luke 2 verse 42 to 49, we see that even at 12 years old, Jesus slipped away from his parent and was doing what he wanted to do. He was in the temple with the teachers asking them questions and he was so, you know, thinking outside the box that that his family even forgot that he was left behind. And it was three days later that they realized that Jesus was missing from the group of people that they were traveling with. And in verse 49, when they found him and say, I'll read a little bit before that. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, "Why Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Now, a child in today who does that would be grounded for a week and their cell phones would be taken away and they would be in big trouble. But I think that Jesus is not being mischievous here. He is following his desire. There is a passion he has inside of him to hear the teaching and the word and he's going he's going after it. So in later life, Jesus shows this individual individuality by not being stuck in the family business of carpentry and by not being stuck in the schools of the rabbis of the day. He followed his individuality and he pursued his passion. So I'm quickly out of time today. I want to remind you that next week we'll be looking at five points to parents that parents must keep in mind to avoid their children developing these five wounds, these five dangers that I talk about today. So I want to thank you so much for being with us on this episode of the Life Transformation 
show. I want to remind you that we are a not-for-profit organization that depends on your support to stay on the air to provide podcasts like these, but also to provide subsidized counseling for those who need it but might not be able to afford it. I also want to remind you that we are a full-fledged mental health uh, facility that provides professional counseling from a Christian perspective. So we have trained psychotherapists on staff who is able to help you with just about any mental health need. So if you know someone who is in need of help, do not hesitate to get in touch with us. We also want to remind you of our YouTube channel where we have almost 300 podcasts like this one to help you with whatever it is that you are struggling through. Many of our clients get that initial help by listening to our podcast and then they reach out to us when they feel stuck and need more help to go further. So if you haven't checked out our YouTube as yet, please go to our website, elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counselingministry.com and go to our YouTube channel. Also remember to subscribe. So until next time, this is your host, Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services, praying that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart.